thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through his word. Thy praise confess, yea, of thy word, yea, my tongue would sing, yea, I confess, yea, I confess, for thy commands are righteousness. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Aren't we fortunate that God has given us one more Lord's Day to meet together, and we can be in this house together with people that we know and that we love and that we enjoy? Amen? That's a great gift. A lot of people don't have other people in their lives they can depend on, that they know that they can trust. And it's a gift when we even just have one of those people in our lives. Amen? Amen. Psalm 34 is our call to worship today. And I love how the psalmist talks about very intentionally what he's going to do. And he says this, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Is that what we're doing? Are we doing that? in our homes and in our lives? Are we blessing the Lord? Is His praise continually in, in our mouth? When, when something good happens, you know, when we eat something good, do we go, you know what, the Lord is good to give me taste buds. The Lord is good to give me a warm home. My soul shall make her boast in Thee, Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He then invites all of you, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. We're going to talk today about fears. And God can deliver us. Everybody say, God can deliver me from all my fears. They looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and they deliver them. We are not to fear man, but we are to fear God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions lack, and they suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children. Hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. 
Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Everybody say, he delivers us out of them all. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. But the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Wow. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement of Psalm 34. Lord, what an invitation to magnify the Lord together, Lord. We're not here just as individuals, but we're here as a church. And yes, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. But today, we are here to magnify the Lord together. And Lord, as we lift up your name, we are reminded that you are always good, that you love us that everything that goes on in our lives is put there for our betterment, for our sanctification. And for this, we can do, as the Word says, we can give thanks even for the trials that come, for they bring us closer to you. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Scriptures teach us that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When we preach God's Word each week, the goal in doing so is that God's Word would enliven faith inside of your hearts. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you will hear the Word preached from this pulpit. God's Word is the only agent of change that we know that can give faith to men's hearts. What can change a sinner's heart? The Holy Spirit alone. And the way that He has chosen to do this is that we would hear the Word of God and that He would give us faith. Sometimes it's faith for salvation. Other times it's faith to face our fears. And that's what we're going to be doing today in my sermon called God's Castle Keep. My text is Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2, but we will cover all of Psalm 91 as has been our tradition over the past 90 psalms. Praise God. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 91, starting in verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are assailed on many sides by difficulties, by trials, by tribulations, by setbacks, by things we don't understand, by things that can indeed pull at us 
and draw us into a pit of fear. Lord, today we pray, Lord, that you would pull us out, that you would set us high on the rock of your truth, that you might set us free, Lord, to walk by faith and not in fear. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, you may be seated. So where do you live? Obviously, I know where most of you live, but I'm asking this question a different way. I'm not asking about your physical address on Ridgeway or on London or on Bala or on Baldwin. I can name some roads or uh, Anderson Antioch Road or wherever it may be. Is it Main Street or Walnut? Where do you guys live? What's the name of that street you guys? High Street. So I'm not really asking about that today. I'm asking about where is the seat of your soul? The seat of your being. Where do you live? Because there may be a time when there is no more High Street or Baldwin or, or, or Ridgeway. Uh, there may, you know, there was a time when the world was a certain way and a flood came and wiped everything out and they had to start all over again. There are things that can happen in the world that can change everything. Amen. Is it hard to imagine that there's something that could happen that could change everything? Not hard to believe right now, is it? Some invisible microbe appears on the scene and all of a sudden the whole world shuts down and everything changes in a moment. Sometimes it's a giant storm or an earthquake or whatever it might be. So where do you live though, heart, soul, and body? Where are you firmly planted is my question for us today. Psalm 91 brings us home if we have strayed. It reminds us about what circumstances have made us forget. And it steadies us when we are dizzied and dazed by the blows of enemies. It is my hope today for us to see God's castle keep as our resting place and refuge. God has set our feet upon this rock. Everybody say, I and firmly put on the rock of God. This rock cannot be moved. He has secured us safely in the impregnable fortress of His love and His providence, and nothing can shake the foundation that God has set. Amen? Can I say here a thanks be to God? As we have needed to be reminded many times, fear, though, makes us forget. Fear torments us, but perfect love casts out all fear. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Not only is Jesus preparing a place for us in heaven, we have a place in Him right here, right now. Paul says that we are even now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ is God's castle keep. We are in Him and He is in us. He is our home. He is our fortress, the fortress of our protection and hope. Peter said it so beautifully in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll read it from the Amplified Bible today. You actually just heard it by uh, Josh or Jonathan. Jonathan, I think, read it. Blessed, this is verse 3, greatly praised and adored be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant and boundless mercy has caused us to be born again, that is to be reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed and set apart for His purposes to an ever-living hope 
confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You know, death may be something you fear, and the resurrection should set you right. Amen? For death has no more sting to the believer who knows and can look at death and point right at death with its black robe and sickle in its hand and can say, death, you have no place to cause fear in me because for me to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And to be maybe taken out of this body and my, my, my body planted, as it were, in the ground like a, like a kernel of corn, the Bible tells me that the resurrection, that I have hope that I will go from mortality into immortality. Born anew into an inheritance which is imperishable, beyond the reach of change, undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. You are protected and shielded by the power of God through your faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. In this you rejoice greatly, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested and purified by fire, may be found to result in your praise and your glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not even see him right now, you believe and trust in him, and you greatly rejoice and delight with inexpressible and glorious joy, receiving as the result the outcome and the consummation of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Folks, we got something to be happy about today. My family and I watched a movie last night. I would recommend, maybe it might be a little lofty for some, but for others it's, it might not be. And it is called The Most Reluctant Convert. It's the story of C.S. Lewis. Something that he said in it, so wonderful, so beautiful. He said so many wonderful things, and thank God he took the opportunity to write them down. I was sharing with the deacons earlier as we were gathered up here the words that he said. He was sitting in church for uh, the first time since he had come to know Christ, and he's sitting in that thing, and he's looking at these people, and some of them are, you know, smart people. Some aren't so smart. Some are, you know, important. Some are not so important. He saw this variety of people around, and he said, you know, If all this is true that I've just come to believe, then this little man over here that seems like a nobody, if I could see him as the being he will be in eternity, he said, I would probably want to fall down at his feet and worship him. And I don't mean in the sense of idolatry, but folks, do you know we are, we're eternal beings. This building won't be here. This planet won't be here. And you and I, Sister Kim, Brother Doug, we will still be in eternity with God as these beings that shed mortality and put on immortality. Folks, that's an exciting thing to know. You know that everything that is going on in this life that seems just so hard sometimes, so constraining, so uncertain, so much like we look through a glass darkly, that when we look at all this, we know that there will be a day that will come when we will see everything clearly. And when we do, we will be amazed at the goodness of God. As Psalm 91 has no inspired heading, we don't really know who wrote it. 
It doesn't say what it's about or when it was written or by whom or, or, or in, under what uh, condition the people of Israel were. But I love how it gets right to the point in the very first words of it all and, it, and, and it really the message that is coming forth in the very first sentence of this psalm is at the heart of what we are talking about today. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Talk about something we want to write down somewhere, something we want to put on a banner somewhere. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I chose the illustration of my sermon title, God's Castle Keep, as a picture of this truth itself. Castles are amazing and beautiful places. I've been blessed to see many of them throughout Great Britain, in and around the smaller countries, around Austria and Hungary, as well as in Israel. And when I see them, they're always speaking to me of God. And I'll tell you what, if you open your eyes, everything that you see will speak to you of God. In the same way that nature speaks to me of his grandeur and majesty, these man-made fortresses symbolize safety and protection like nothing else that we can see. These stone compounds, often surrounded by moats and bridges and battlements of every kind, they do not move beneath your feet when you walk through them. You know, when I was in Myanmar, sometimes I would go into a little hut and, and they're raised up off the ground. And I would walk in and the entire building would move. And I'm like, oh no, I, I can't visit with these people. I'm going to destroy their home. And, and I'm walking and the entire house is, is moving and I'm trying to find a place to sit down. I'm like, when I sit down, I could go right through the floor. But I remember being in, with my sweet wife in Edinburgh and we went up that giant rock in the center of that city in the castle that was on top. And when we took the stairs, they weren't creaking. When fireworks thundered above them, the walls were not shaking. They were laughing at the shockwaves as they laughed at many a shockwave and even cannonball that came to their ramparts. To look at them, it is even hard to imagine any human effort could overcome their construction. Those who lived in these fortified cities had every right to feel immediate safety. Uh, nothing and no one was going to just walk right into these places and pull them out or harm them. They're mind-boggling in their planning and their strength, and some could have withstood assault for months and even years. They housed provisions for many months and sometimes years. They resist repeated attempts to be burnt by fire. These are some amazing places. Inside the moats and gates and walls in most of these magnificent defenses was yet an even more fortified place and they called it the keep. Everybody say the keep. This is the safest place of all deep inside the castle. It was safety within safety. Virtually impregnable walls and floors between and above any enemies who might somehow find themselves through the impossible first defenses. Even if by some miracle they made it inside the castle, then they faced the keep and they would look at it. It was built up on a hill. It was usually made of stone and dirt, made even stronger than the preceding works all around it. And when we read the words, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, picture this castle keep as a picture, knowing though that it was built by God and not by a man. 
When you go to these castles in Sterling Castle or you go to uh, wherever, wherever it might be, know that those castles were all breached, that the people in them are not there anymore ruling and reigning in a kingdom, that they failed them at some point, but the castle and God's castle keep never fails. It never falters. It cannot be assaulted and taken down. Psalm 91 offers peace and passes the human understanding for those who understand our lives are truly in God's castle keep. The Lord is our light and our salvation. And the question rings out, whom shall we fear? The Lord is the strength of our lives. And the question rings out, who shall we be afraid of? And the answer that should come back in the echo of the stone castle keep is no one and nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can assault our safety. Nothing can pluck us out of his hand. And nothing can bring us out of his safe and secure presence. No one and nothing. God is not a body like a man, yet when we rest in God's castle keep, we abide. We find our home and security not merely in a structure of safety, but in God himself. For as it says in Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. As you look at the enemies of your soul, when fear twinges at you, see yourself standing in the shadow of God himself. I had this picture in my mind from this verse of me standing in a, a host coming to get me and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm really not that much and look at all them, they really are a lot and I could just imagine as, as all of a sudden I begin to fear, Sister Joy, all of a sudden the sun was eclipsed and a big shadow overtook me. It reminds me of that scene in one of the Chronicles of Narnia where the little Little Lucy has got her knife and she's, she's facing the enemy and there's this you know, whole host of these bad guys and she's a little girl with her little pocket knife and all of a sudden they're coming at her and all of a sudden their faces change quite a bit and they start going. And little does Lucy know that standing behind her is Aslan himself there in the shadow of the Almighty. She stands that's where we stand. It should cause confidence to rise and fear to dissipate. You have to be close to someone for their shadow to cover you. And God will stand close to you in his castle keep. Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Speaking this truth puts fear to flight. Do you have fears? We all do, don't we? Fears about money. Fears about hell. Fear about what your enemies are plotting. Fears of your own weakness. Your sickness. Your emotional strength. Are you wondering, I don't know if I'm going to fall apart or not. Do you fear invisible and unexpected dangers of this life? you do I would recommend that you do as the psalmist has done for us here in verse 2 and say it that's what he does you know what he says he says God is my refuge and strength there's something about 
just speaking it, Ashley. You know, when you're in the midst of it all and you're like, I don't know, and, and this is difficult, and are we going to be able to do this, and what's going to happen next, and I'm not really sure. This is the time to say, God is my refuge and my strength. He is a very present help in time of need. Sometimes we need to just say it. Amen? God is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God, and in Him will I trust. What does a statement like that do, Brother Doug? What it does is it reminds you that even though you're weak, even though you could be conquered, even though through your efforts you might fail, who's your refuge? Well, it ain't me. I'm not my own refuge. I'm not my own strength. I'm not counting on that. And then all of a sudden, all of your shortcomings, all of your failings don't really seem to matter all that much. It may seem like a small and powerless act, but it is not. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when the heart of man believes, it is with the mouth that man confesses unto salvation. And we think of this in the terms of, you know, repeat the sinner's prayer or whatever in the world they do. But what he's saying is, you, are, you, you, you can be saved from your own fears by speaking the truth that God is your refuge. Have you found yourself lost in rational and irrational fears? Of course you have. When you find yourself there again, remind yourself of where you really are, where you really live. You live where? In God's castle keep. It may seem that you are in the pit of despair or in the slow of despond, but you are in where? Everybody say it with me. God's castle Memorize these words and say them. God is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God, and in Him will I trust. As the psalmist continues, he speaks against the fear. And that's how we overcome it. We speak those things that seem like they're not as though they were. That's what faith does. Against hope, when you are alone, you can say, I am not alone. Right? You're, you're alone and, and you're thinking you're alone and you're, you know, your world is coming in on you. That's when you're supposed to say, Jesse, you know what, I, I'm not alone. God's word said, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. If I go over here, he's there. Even if I go into the pit of the grave, he still is there with me. And although I feel alone, I'm not alone. You may feel unsafe. You may feel vulnerable. You can say, God is my refuge. He is my fortress. I'm not alone. I have found myself many different times in my life quoting Micah chapter 7 verse 8. It's a great one to quote. You might find yourself struggling against a fear. You may have even fallen down. Your own sin may have tripped you up. You may have fallen in a pit that you even dug. Micah 7 8, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I've quoted that so many times in the middle of, of trying to, you know, the devil's trying to get me down, trying to destroy me, trying to make me think that it's all over. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You know, we really don't sit in darkness. I mean, Jeremiah, after giving, was given the word of the Lord, they got so mad they threw him in a dark pit. Decided not to feed him. They said, well, we can't kill him, but if he starves to death, you know, I guess we hadn't killed him. 
Did God forbid, forget him in this pit? No, he brought him out. He sent him food. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be the light unto me. Folks, that is more true than what you are thinking about your own life. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. What does that mean? Well, we, we're the biggest liars we deal with. I just, I don't know if I can make it anymore. I don't think I can take it anymore. I, this isn't going to work out. And we are, are the worst false prophets, a bunch of liars. In verse 3, he continues the same practice that we should imitate when fear paralyzes us. As you will see, he toggles back and forth from different kinds of fear, and he speaks faith into his own circumstance, believing that God will indeed intervene. For this is our weakness in the flesh, that when we are told that God will protect us from the lion, we say, but what about the bear? Then we are told that he will save us from injury. And then our doubts answer back, but what about disease? We learn that we're going to be saved from uh, the trap of an enemy. And we answer back, but what about when I go to war on my own? going to be with me there this is the way we are god saves us from one fear and we need to hear it and that's what happens here he says this in verse three surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence so he starts off with two things in addressing several fears directly here in psalm 91 3 and beyond we will benefit more than just hearing a variety of things that god will deliver us from we will learn more about the specific care that God has for us God's care and protection for us his children we will see that nothing is too big everybody say nothing's too big but here's the part we have a hard time dealing with nothing's too small either see the devil wants us to think that God doesn't care about these little things you know I probably shouldn't bother God with this how many of you have done this like you're something that's bothering you and and you're kind of like you know I, I probably shouldn't bother God with this you got, come on Come on, I've done it. Come on, come on, raise your hands. Raise your hands. Too small. Yeah, of course, of course, God can feed it a Goliath. Certainly God can, can destroy. But, but like, Lord, I can't fix my toilet. I mean, I feel bad even praying about it. You know, you know I'm having a little trouble here. And, and we're having to like pour buckets of water and just to make the thing work. And we can't fix it. And we're too stupid to figure out how to fix the toilet. Lord, Lord, can you help us out here? Oh, I probably shouldn't bother God with that. He's too big. He's, in too, he's too important. He doesn't care about that little stuff. That's what the devil wants you to think. We will see that nothing is too big or too small, too far away or too close for him or too sudden and unexpected. In verse 3, there are two things being contrasted. The things done to us by our enemies to trap us intentionally and things that come to us seemingly arbitrarily or in general. Once again, we come face to face with God's sovereignty over all things, even over the future. When we hear the snare of the fowler, he's talking about a hunter, a trapper, right? There are people and things out to get you. You might go, well, no, they're not. Well, yes, they are. In fact, there's a whole host of them, and they are principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, and they are going around seeking if they can disrupt you, distract you, and destroy you. 
John 10.10 says that Satan comes to steal and to kill and destroy. 2 Timothy 2.26 says that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Do you know you can know God, you can even be on the road to heaven, and even though that can't be interrupted, that God indeed is in charge of all of that, we can willingly be entrapped or we can unwittingly be trapped by the devil. The Bible tells us that we should watch out for his devices. Men are not our enemies. As God's people, we know that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with the invisible powers of darkness. But they are already defeated. The armor and weapons God has given us can defeat them, so how much more God himself. No weapon formed against us by them shall prosper, and our enemies build gallows from which they will one day swing and pits to trap us in, and they will catch themselves in them. God cares about us the noise and pestilence you know when i read that the first time i read it, i'm like that sounds like really noisy bugs you know like the cicadas you know you know and they're you know that's not what a noise and pestilence is just in case you want to know that's what you got me for i look these things up right not noisy bugs it means a horrible plague we know something about that right Sometimes the plague can be that it isn't actually that bad of a plague. I mean, this is the, it, there's all kinds of, sometimes it's the reaction to the plague. I learned yesterday that twice as many United States servicemen commit suicide than died of COVID. That thousands more died of drug poisoning from addiction. In this time, thousands and thousands and thousands more died of that, even than died of. So this deadly or troublesome disease that comes on the wind or in the water or the food or when we touch one another, the invisible microscopic killers that seem to have no respect of persons. God cares about that. You know, we watched, the Robinettes are crazy. I don't know if you know this, but we watch documentaries. And the latest thing we watched were not even documentaries. They were time-lapse videos you ever seen any of these where they show a map and they show where the black plague how it spread across europe and how it came from china and and you see it on a map where it comes where it comes and how it went and, and the population changed and how many people that died could you imagine living in a time of the bubonic plague that'd be something to be scared of even these are god's at god's command and under his control they have not gone out of his notice they have not slipped past his observing eye. Certainly today this fear has changed our entire world in a short order. Famous people now are catching COVID and going, but I did everything. As if somehow, you know, it's, it's proof of your immorality that you caught uh, COVID. What is wrong with us? As if any person can keep uh, an invisible microscopic disease from coming and getting you. Oh, but I wore my mask. Certainly today this fear has changed our entire world. It may have assaulted your own trust in your own heavenly Father, but Psalm 91 reminds us who sees the noise and pestilence in its invisibility and shields us from it as long as it serves His purposes for our lives and the work that we've been given to do in the kingdom. Because we know that we belong to God, and if we are glorifying Him, it might be through our death as well as our life. 
In verse 4, we see that God is not sending an army of white-coated lab techs to save us and sterilize our every surface. He himself shall cover us. He shall cover thee, verse 4, with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust, and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. As a mother hen tenderly gathers her chicks and shields them from the sun and the flying prey soaring above them under the shadow of her watchful eye, she warms them by her presence and she leads them in safety. You know what? You're not going to read in the words uh, you know, of Buddha or Hindu or anybody or Allah. None of these things that you're going to read. Muhammad is not talking to you about the tender close care and the warmth of the near presence of God. God is always so far away. God is always so big and so important. But the God that we serve is a God who compares himself to a mother hen with little feathers, gathering the little chicks under her wings. Most of us know what a shield is, the large metal wooden piece that soldiers hold in front of them, guarding them from arrows and sword blows. The buckler is a small shield, maybe attached to the shoulder or to the elbow, or even a hand. It can be made of thick leather or even light metal. God is not only our shield, he's our buckler too. He's very close to us. He is tied to us. We are in him and he is in us. God is there for us in general attacks and very specific surgical strikes. He is close to us. He is with us in the battle and he shows great care for us. Verse 5 tells us, that time and conditions do not change these truths. They are always the same. He commands in verse 5, Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. He's explaining that if we can put our trust in Him, and if God and truly has become our castle keep, if He is where we are seated and He is where our faith and our trust is, that we should not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Once again, a flying arrow by day is one thing. You can see it. But one that goes assailing in the night and comes down upon unseen or unheard was even more terrifying. Could you imagine living in a day where an arrow might just fly through the air and strike you in the night? Great difficulties can indeed surprise us. We can let them disturb our peace or we can do as Jesus said. And not worry about them. Don't worry about what may come. Deal with it if it does. Come, but don't let it steal from you as you stand in God's safety. The sound of a growling something in the darkness is one thing. The sound of the footsteps of a marauding band that you cannot see in the darkness is a scary thing. It is much more fear-invoking because of the uncertainty of it all. There are some people, though, who are more scared of what they see. Some people are scared of what they don't see. Verse 6, Nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. What is God doing here? He's doing what I said earlier. We say, I'll save you from the lion, and we say, yeah, but what about the bear? He helps us in the daytime, but what about at night? He helps us with the things that are far away. He, does he even help us when we get ourselves in trouble? He deals with all of these things because this is what we do. We, we, we will not just hear, hey, God's got this, he's got you, don't worry about it. No, 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 we got to hear a list 
Are you sure? You sure? Are you sure that when I go out willingly to fight, he's still going to be with me? You sure if these tricky people dig a hole? And Are you sure, Lord, that, that you got that? Are you sure, Lord? We have a new, well, someone who's becoming a new church member who has a nickname, Dorothy 2. Right? Are you Dorothy 2 or 3 or 4? I don't even know, right? She's Dorothy 2. She said she spent more time in a tornado shelter probably than most people spent studying in libraries. You know, who knows? Tornadoes are a scary thing. Flashes of lightning in the night. Flash floods cascading through the countryside toward you. You cannot see them. While others are more terror-stricken by what they see, they see the black cloud descending. Oh, no. There's a fear here I don't even know anything about. And I, I wanted to ask the Zimmermans about this because you guys may have experienced this because the people in God's time apparently had. If you live in Ohio, no worries about this. But there is a thing here, this, this um, destruction that wastes at noonday. There was a phenomenon in the desert of superheated air. Air that was so hot that if it blew on you, it would burn your skin. And this is something apparently that the commentators say happens in Israel in those deserts. It is a blast of wind that will burn you. And he's saying, I got that too. In verse 7, he gets to the subject of war. You know, war was a very real fear for the people of that time. Most of the men were soldiers and if the need arose they would just go out and battle and the aspect of their lives though foreign to us was very immediate for them could you imagine at any moment being called up jeff you know you got to go out the philistines have gathered over here and just grab your sword and head on out there could you imagine that that your husband well you know jesse might not come back today but you know because i mean they the, the other guys got swords and Spears and arrows. Could you imagine that, Christina? Like Tim's doing his thing. He's doing marketing. He's it's all good. And it's like, oh, hey, um, the Syrians are here, and uh, get your sword and spear, Tim, and head on out there. And he may or may not come back. Could, could you imagine living in that time period while you serve your country? Maybe nowadays it might be willingly putting yourself in harm way like some of our soldiers do but police and firefighters and rescue workers do all the time even then when you willingly put yourself in harm's way as our first responders when they hear gunshots they don't run away what do they do they run toward them i've heard about these people in their training they see a fire and they run into the burning building they know it might fall on them, but what is their job? Their job is to run into harm. And, and what he's saying is, even when you go into harm's way intentionally, guess what, guys? God's there too. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Now, when I read this and I read some of these things, actually they kind of bothered me, Sister Kim, because you know that if it means what it sounds like it's saying, it's not true. Did, did sometimes Israelites get killed in battle? Of course they did. Good guys, right? 
What about Bathsheba's husband? He was a good guy. He was so good that when he got the chance to come home in the middle of the fight, he said, I'm not going to go have a nice meal at my house. I'm not going to go take comfort in my wife and kiss her beautiful face. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sleep outside because that's where my men are fighting in the field and I'm going to be in solidarity with them. What kind of a man does that? A good man. And what happened to him? A millstone was thrown on him and he was crushed. So, what is God saying? What God is saying is that whatever happens to you, don't need to be afraid of it. It's God's story. It's how he's using you. And I've said this many, many times, but do you remember Stonewall Jackson? Somehow he got the thing that made him so great, the thing that made him the Stonewall. They said, cannons are exploding. People are firing everywhere. He's not even ducking. He's just walking around. Things are exploding beside him. He's just having conversations. And they're all like hiding behind trees. And he's going, yeah, here's what you do. And bullets are flying. They're like, how can you do that? How can you stand there and do that? And he said, I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am in my home in bed. How's that possible? He actually believed that his life was in God's hands. He believed that God was going to, if it was his day to go, he was going to go. And if it wasn't his day to go. And he asked the question, he said, how else could a man do his duty before God if he didn't believe that? And the truth is, is you can't. You're terrified. You live in fear. But somehow God gave him a supernatural faith in God's providence. That's what made him, that's why people are still remembering his name. Stonewall. He stood there like a stonewall. What gave him the fortitude to do that? Faith. The great evener of all things we will see will make all things right. Verse 8, only with thy eyes thou shalt behold and see the reward of the wicked. He is reminding them, you're not going to die. You're going to live to see God deal with your enemies. How many of you would like to see injustices rectified? I would. Speaking of John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3 says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Verses crooked, right? Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. What's he talking about? Justice himself is coming. And the Bible says everything that's been spoken in secret, it's going to be known. Everything that's been hidden, it's going to be revealed. You're worried, oh, I just want someone to know that it wasn't me, and that I didn't do anything, and that I wasn't bad, and that, well, you know what, one day everybody will know. Wonder how Job's friends will feel in heaven. Where they were like, you know, you probably did something wrong. I mean, that, you know, I mean, no one would have that kind of bad stuff happen to them unless God is really mad at you. And Job would go, I don't know. I don't think I have done anything. I really don't. And, and they're going, you know, but really we think you're too proud. And you really should admit it. And you really are going through things. And God is really judging you. And he goes, I don't think so. One day in heaven, Job is going to have a different perspective on things. He's going to go, wow, you know, God used me to prove his justice. People believe bad things, right? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus went before 
his shearers, his killers, and he didn't even open his mouth. He didn't defend himself. And what happened? I think Jesus has been quite vindicated. <laughs> Do you? Uh, you know, he's bad. He's a blasphemer. And, and he thinks this and he thinks this. And they all thought bad of him. Well, look at him. I mean, you don't strip a guy's clothes off and beat him and, and the establishment turns against him. In the, in the Roman Empire, the establishment turns against him. In the established church of the day, all these bad things happen and he's no good and he dies the death of it. And look, all of his followers left him and all these things. And, and I think Jesus has been quite vindicated and it ain't even, we're not all in heaven and he's been quite vindicated. Amen? Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. God is going to see to it that justice is done. Oh, but they're getting away with this. No, they're not. You see, faith knows they're not getting away with it. Faith knows that they're not going to win. Faith knows that the evil may appear to prosper, but they will not. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But what will happen to the ungodly? The way of the ungodly shall perish. Verse 9 seems to be spoken by God himself to those who have faith in him and are not dominated and hindered by fear. He said, because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh to thy dwelling. Once again, if you're tempted to think that this is the prosperity message, you're wrong. Exodus 15 said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and will do that which is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Deuteronomy says this in chapter 30, starting in verse 10, If you listen and obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, your entire being, for the commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you. It is not out of reach. It is not a secret thing that is hidden somewhere in heaven that you should say who will go up in heaven and bring it down to us that we might hear it or obey it. No, it's not beyond the sea. No, but the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. What is it? Listen closely. Today I've set before you life and death, prosperity and good, death and adversity and I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in the, and to live each and every day in his ways and keep his commandments and statutes and judgments and precepts so that you will live and multiply and that the Lord God will bless you in the land which you enter to possess it. But if your heart turns away and doesn't obey that, you'll be drawn and worship after other gods and serve them. I declare you today, you will perish. You will not live long. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. I've set life and death before you, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life in order that you may live. If you recall the promise to children, children obey your parents and the Lord, right? Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you, that you may live long upon the earth. These are the blessings of God that he utters to his children, but still we all belong to him. The Bible says that if we suffer and we have difficulty and even if we die for his name's sake, that great is our reward in heaven. As I get to verse 11 and 12 here, he says something 
that should really, 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 you should go away from today and never, ever forget this. Those of you that, that are worried that you're bothering God with your little things, Ash. Verses, he shall give his angels charge over thee. How many like this? God's giving angels, they're watching me. And you know, some people say, for the Chris, we have one guardian angel. I like this verse better. They're all ours. He'll give his angels, plural. I don't just have one. I got more than one, right? He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. You ready, Ash? God cares if you stub your toe. You might go, well, I don't know if that's what it's saying. That's exactly what it's saying. I mean, Doug, can you imagine that he's like, I'm going to give angels charge over thee, and they shall bear thee up, unless you might sprain your ankle, stub your toe. What is that saying? It's saying God cares. He cares about the little thing. He cares about my toe. Is that such a strange thing? Luke 12, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid. Thou shalt not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That which you have spoken in the ear in the closest shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body after they have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed has power to cast you into hell. That's who you should be afraid of. Now he mentions that and that takes us back to the whole justice thing, right? But then he says this. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God? Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. He numbers our hairs. He sends angels to make sure that without him we can't even stub our toe. It's not just that he will keep us from harm. He will lead us to conquer our enemies. Verse 13, thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under your feet. God declares what he does for those who have faith in his protection and expectation of his sovereignty. Verse 14, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him and I will set him on high because he hath known my name. It's time to call on the name of Jesus when we need him. And we should expect him to answer. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. Guys, these are assurances from God. Verse 16, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Little Liam was taking a bath, and I was in there. And he was asking some pretty important questions. He wanted to know how old God was. I thought that was a very interesting question. He said, well, how old was he before he died? I said, well, what do you mean? Well, God didn't really die like that. No, he didn't. Well, I know he's in heaven, but and he's thinking of it like his papa. You know, we have papa, and he died, and he's thinking of God kind of like, I'm like, no, 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 it's not like that. He said, well, you know, I want to live to be 80 years old, Dad. I said, well, that's, that's good. I hope you live to be 80. And I said, I want to be 82. He goes, oh, no, not you. He goes, I want you to be 100, Dad. 
Thanks, buddy. Make me want to live to be 110. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see, in God's castle keep, we can trust the Lord. Whether it glorifies him to do some marvelous thing in us where our life can glorify him, he can have it. Amen? But God cares about us. He cares about every little thing that has to do with you and me. He wants to keep us warm. He wants to keep us under his feathers. He wants to be that buckler tied to us that is there to shield us. He wants to overshadow us with his protection. He wants us to have confidence in him. God is close to us. He's very near to us. Amen? May we go today with that picture in our mind, and when fears come to us, may we remember that we are in God's castle keep. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the power of this truth, Lord, to dissipate fears, to give us strength to do the works that you've given us to do. Lord, we feel so frail and so weak and so unable to do anything, and yet we get to do all kinds of wonderful things. Lord, why do you love us so much to give a people a Bible and a language that they never had before? Lord, I can already see the people who we will give hands to. Lord, we, we can't see the hundreds that we have fed in the mountains of Chin State who would be hungry were it not for your blessing us. Lord, why do you love us so much that you let us give? For it has indeed been more blessed to give than to receive. But I don't even know how we can even see it as giving for every bit of it we got from you. you receive, we received it from you. Lord, you just make our lives amazing and beautiful. Lord, every day you give us, Lord, we are going to be looking with expectation, not at what fears may come, but at what goodness you will bring to us, even through the hardest times that we face. In Christ's name we pray. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to serve you.